This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, May 25th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle flying solo on today's show. This is going to be a transfer portal-themed show. Um, a lot to get into. I uh, asked for questions on our Bucknuts message board, and some of our subscribers came through with some strong questions. So that's the first thing we're going to do is get into some transfer portal stuff. Um, had a question from... Fox R2001, longtime subscriber, Fox R2001, um, wanted to know, basically, generally speaking, what programs, um, not necessarily, you know, naming programs, although we'll get into some specific programs, but generally speaking, who is being helped most by the transfer portal? Is it the top tier programs? You know, so we'll say, you know, Alabama and Ohio State, and we'll even throw Clemson in there, even though I think they're, you know... Um, currently in a downturn i don't even think they're headed for a downturn i think they're currently in a downturn we shall see um so who's being helped most by the transfer portal you know is it alabama and ohio state and clemson or is it that next tier you know like right now you're seeing usc killing it you know, cbs sports um you know they did a, a piece on you know ranking the teams that have done the best in the transfer portal this year you know usc's one texas is two no surprise there. Last year, it would have been Michigan State. Mel Tucker turned his, his roster over, went from a, a really bad uh, 2020 season um, to a really good season last year. They were, uh, a, what were they, 11-2, and two, won the Peach Bowl. So it's going to depend year to year. So the uh, And then you know the other question is, maybe could it help lower Power 5 teams you know, the most? And maybe a school like Indiana, to throw a name out there. You know, they got Connor Basilak to transfer from Missouri, they've landed some other guys. Or might it help, you know, the, the group of five the most? You know, a, a team like Cincinnati loaded up on transfers. They had the running back from Alabama. Um, they had a lot of other transfers that really helped Luke Fickle and the Bearcats, who won't be group of five for much longer. Um, okay, so let's get into it. Who, did it. who does it help the most? I think it just depends on the year. Um, like, there's no way that um, – Ohio State would have been as successful as they were in 2019, obviously, without Justin Fields. And they had him for two seasons. So there you go. And then you look what happened with Alabama getting Jamison Williams. You know, would they have um, been able to do what they did without having, you know, Jamo be, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the country and really save their wide receiving core? They had John Mechie, and that was really it. You know, Jamison Williams was clearly their number one. Um, and, you know, leaving spring last year was Ohio State's fourth receiver. So this year, it's helping USC and Texas the most. I don't think it's going to be like that every year. I mean, you have Sarks in his second year, but he still has to, you know, turn over that roster. 
and have all the NIL money that they're able to pro- promise transfers. Ohio State can get into that too with transfers, by the way. They kind of got to be low-key about it, but it's a little different with than recruiting. Um, Tanner Holden for the basketball team is a good example with that. I know, the, you know the foundation was able to help um, secure him a deal, and I'm sure he knew about it before he transferred from Wright State to Ohio State because there were other schools going after him. So this year it's helping USC and Texas the most. Last year it helped Michigan State the most. It's going to depend year to year, but I still think schools like Ohio State, when they have a need, Schools like Alabama, when they have a need, and when they don't have to worry about maybe getting outbid for, for uh, you know, as this goes forward, um, I don't think they're going to have to worry as much about getting outbid by the Texases. Maybe they will. But I think Ohio State, um, the money that is here in Columbus and, and across Buckeye Nation is nothing to scoff at, and it's just going to get better. I mean, you look what, the, what they're doing in New Albany here um, near Columbus, building that into the Silicon Valley of the Midwest. So, you look at what Ohio State's been able to do. They got, obviously, Justin Fields as example number one. What happened in 2020 when they needed a running back? They got Trey Sermon. What happened in 2019 when they had a, a hole in their offensive line? They got Jonah Jackson. So, you know, this year they didn't land, you know, any great transfers, you know, but we'll see about the guys they brought in. Um, you know, Noah Ruggles last year, you know, that was a, a very good transfer, even though it was a kicker. So we'll see. Um, but um, I still think, generally speaking, as we go forward, I think it's still going to help. The rich will always get richer, in my opinion. Just like NIL right now, it's helping Texas A&M the most. Do we really think it's always going to be like that? No, it's like that right now because Jimbo's buying all his recruits. Even though he doesn't want to admit it, we all know it's true. So, um, all right. So, that leads to my next thing. So, we're going to get into – so, I think convoluted, I know. um, But to to put a a ribbon on that, it's going to depend year to year, as we're seeing already. But – Look at what's, I mean, Ohio State and Alabama, they'll be just fine. I think when we look back on it, let's say 10 years from now, I think we're going to say, yeah, transfer portal probably helped uh, Ohio State and Alabama, schools like that, the most. Um, and then have like a Michigan State, every once in a while they'll jump in there. All right. I want to get into this. This is just a question I came up with because you guys were asking about the portal. And this was, this is interesting to me. So Ohio State right now is, one under the scholarship limit of 85 um, after the Marcus Crowley, poor kid, had another really bad knee injury, um, at, you know, his second since being at Ohio State. And he's a really, really bad knee injuries. And he's retiring from football. I hate to see that. Hopefully he stays at Ohio State, gets his degree. Um, but that puts Ohio State one under the limit. I think, and you know, they leave no stone unturned. I'm sure they're already looking. And I don't have names to give you, but we know – that Ryan Day is concerned about depth on the offensive line. You got a spot to fill. Now, I don't think it's going to be some like guy that's going to come in here and be like a stud and a starter right away. But let's say there's a kid from like a lower level, even an FCS school or maybe a Mac school, something like that, who was a starter, maybe not even a star there, but still has, you know, let's say three years of eligibility left, you know, maybe played as a true freshman that year didn't count. And um, it started last year as a sophomore has three years of eligibility left, and a guy that can come in and add depth and could be a starter if somebody goes down. I, I, I like the five starters. I really do. But they need depth. Josh Fryer is supposed to be the best backup, but you look at that timetable for that ACL tear. He tore it pregame of Michigan late November. You do the math. Nine months puts him back at the end of camp in August. That's if he has no setbacks. That's the nine-month timetable. And then how rusty is he going to be? I think it's going to take a few weeks for Josh Fryer. Um, to get ready after he comes back. I don't think he's going to be ready to roll for the Notre Dame game. So 
that's your best backup offensive lineman, and he might not be ready for the start of the season. Um, hopefully he will be. Um, hopefully he'll, you know, the t- timeline maybe will work out just right for Josh Fryer. We'll see, but I'm a little concerned about that. Point being, I think they need to land an offensive lineman in the portal just to help with depth. And um, I guarantee you Mark Pantone and his staff are, are – there's a you know somebody on on Pantone staff who that that is their job is to look at the portal like that's all they do which is I'm sure a surprise to none of you with how big it is right now how how important it is so they're looking will they land one I don't know if I had to bet on it right now I think they you know my, my gut tells me it's like 60 40 they will again I don't have a name to give you I just think it just makes too much sense they talk about how they need depth on the offensive line Ryan Day says it's a, a concern they have a spot there. You know, it just seems like you can you can talk a kid into you can be a Buckeye, man. Yeah, you're a starter where you are right now, but you could be a starter here, if not this year, maybe next year, the following year. And you can be an Ohio State Buckeye on scholarship, NIL deals, whatever, you know, whatever you need to do to entice him. Uh, Again, it wouldn't be a star, but someone to help the depth. One more thing before I move on. I also think they have like 15 kickers on the roster right now. Ohio State does. Okay, I'm joking. But they do have six. They seriously have six kickers on the roster. Three scholarship, including the transfer they're bringing in from USC, Parker Lewis. Noah Ruggles is coming back, which is great news. And they still have Jake Seibert. There is no way they're carrying three scholarship kickers, in my opinion. They could. They're one under. They could add an offensive lineman and still have three scholarship kickers. To me, that is bad usage of 85 scholarships if you have depth issues. So we know they have a depth issue at on the offensive line. So that's one that would get them to 85 if they did that. Then if one of the if one of the kickers um, were to transfer, and I would have to think that'd be Cybert. You're not bringing in Parker Lewis. To, <laughs> he's not transferring. Ruggles is coming back for a sixth year. He's not going anywhere this year. I mean, to me, those guys, those are going to be the two scholarship kickers. It just makes too much sense. Then again, I was wrong <laughs> when they were bringing in Parker Lewis and Ruggles was was skipping spring. What was I telling you guys? Oh man, this. You can see the writing on the wall. This means Ruggles isn't coming back, but I was wrong about that. So maybe I'm wrong about this, but just it just seems it's common sense that that, that Cybert will likely transfer. So if that happens, where else do they need depth on this team? Corner. I like the top six corners, but they only have six scholarship corners on the entire roster. 84 scholarship guys on the roster right now, six corners. And they like playing a lot of DBs. And I know, you know, it's more of a safety-driven secondary but still they typically have eight or nine scholarship corners on the roster they have six and again they really like the six so that's the good news but what if injuries happen and they do have a walk-on they like who i think would probably be the seventh best corner cameron kittle sophomore walk-on who you guys know played well in the spring game but he played well all spring um but do you want a walk-on as your seventh best corner i think they need to add a corner through the portal too they can get down to 83 which i think they will you can add an offensive lineman. You can add a corner. So look for that. Again, I don't have a name to give you, but they need to add a, a corner to get up to seven scholarship corners, in my opinion. Um, we'll see what happens there. All right, next question. Speaking of the transfer portal, told you guys it was going to be a transfer portal-themed show of the morning five. This comes from the publisher of our site himself, your host on Tuesdays and Thursdays here in the morning five. Dan Rubin asked this question. I love it. Is Jordan Addison better than Ohio State's wide receivers? Or did Jordan Addison just get more opportunities earlier in his career due to less of a crowded depth chart situation? 
He's not better than Ohio State's wide receivers. Give me a break. Do you think if Jackson Smith and Jigba was at at Pitt last year that he wouldn't be able to do what Addison did? Come on. Give me a break. Um, no, Addison's very good. Um, and Dan also asked, you know, is USC basically just covering up, buying players to cover up their recruiting shortcomings? Yes, they are. Now, in defense of Lincoln Riley, he just got there. So, like, he's like, these aren't my recruiting shortcomings. He's Clay Helton. Like, how was Clay Helton allowed to be here for so long? How was he even allowed to be here at all? How was he allowed? How is he allowed to be here for this long? <laughs> I made the joke when Ohio State was playing uh, USC at the Cotton Bowl in 2017 to some of my media cohorts before the game. I said, could you pick Clay Helton out of a lineup? The majority of them kind of said, probably not. Um, that was in 2017. And I can't believe they kept Clay Helton as long as they did there. But thank, thank goodness they did. Ohio State was going out there and just you know getting players out of Southern California, like, you know, just – C.J. Stroud, you know, Chris Olave, no big deal. Guys like that. Wyatt Davis, no big deal. Uh, Hero Canoe. Um, so is USC making up for their shortcomings in recruiting by buying, buying players? Absolutely. Jordan Addison, my gosh, Reggie Bush. Man, Reggie Bush got like a Yugo and like a trailer in comparison to what they're giving Jordan Addison. We're, what are we hearing? $3.5 million and a mansion? Jeez. A mansion? First of all, I need to see the mansion. I mean, my gosh, a mansion in L.A., what would that cost? About 10 times as much as a mansion here in Columbus? Although the property costs are going up here in Columbus, um, as they are pretty much everywhere. But L.A., are you serious? Um, so, yeah, they're buying players. Is Jordan Addison better than Ohio State's wide receivers? I don't think so, particularly not better than Jackson Smith and Jigba. Jordan Addison's really, really, really good. He'll be a first-round pick. He's one of those guys that could have pulled a Jamar Chase. Now, he's not as good as Jamar Chase, obviously my Bengals. Um, but Jordan Haddison probably could have taken the year off like Jamar Chase did and still been a first round pick. He wouldn't have been the, the first wide receiver taken. He wouldn't have been the number five overall pick of the draft. But um, then again, why would you take the year off when you can go make 3.5 million to live in a mansion in LA and get to play in that Lincoln Riley offense? So, um, but no, I don't think, I don't think he's better now. Is he better than a Mecca Is he better than Marvin Harrison Jr.? I'd still take my guys. I mean, maybe right now he's a little ahead of them, but he's only a year older than them. Um, both of them are ranked higher than him. Addison was relatively high four-star kid out of, I believe, Fredericksburg, Maryland. Um, good get for Pitt, but it wasn't like he was a five-star. I don't know how Marvin Harrison Jr. wasn't a five-star. He should have been. You watch his film. You look at the pedigree. I, but Emeka Ibuka, number one wide receiver in the country. I mean, I wouldn't make that trade. Maybe I'm crazy, but I wouldn't make that trade. I'd rather have Emeka Ibuka um, than Jordan Addison. And I, I get it. Jordan Addison had a crazy year last year, Belitnikoff a winner. But, hey, having Kenny Pickett as your quarterback helped. Um, having C.J. Stroud as your quarterback helps, too. I get that as well. All right. Next question. Switching gears away from the portal. I like this one, too. Um, this comes from another one of our subscribers, Kurt Kevin, wants to ask, so if the Big Ten does away with divisions, um, which I, I hope they do, I really do, they need to, it's just so unbalanced, it's ridiculous, um, <laughs> all seven teams in the West are like, please no, 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 can we can we keep the divisions? All seven of those guys, are, all seven of those programs, are, they want nothing to do with uh, going to 14 and the East is like, can we please do that? Especially, really, Ohio State probably doesn't care that much. I mean, I know last year it didn't go their way, but more often than not, Ohio State's winning the East. But you know teams like Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan are hoping to do away with divisions. No doubt about that. Um, all right, but here's the question. If they do away with divisions, 
Kirk Kevin saying Ohio State's likely, um, you know, guaranteed games each season that they would play every year um, would be um, Michigan, obviously, Penn State. I think that's obvious as well. And he's saying Michigan State would be the three guaranteed games, um, the protected games. Um, I'll push back on Michigan State. I think what they would do because Michigan and Penn State would definitely have to be the protected games. Certainly Michigan. You could make the argument Penn State. No, I don't really think you could. That's just too good of a game. Um, The question is, would that be fair to Ohio State? You know, if they're protected games every year, Michigan and, and Penn State, Let's throw in Michigan State, even though I think that would not be a protected game. I think you would just have two, or I don't know how they would do it, but because Michigan and Penn State are two of the best programs in the Big Ten, um, both in potential, both historically, and, and frankly right now, you know, as much as we like to joke about um, both of those programs, they're, they're certainly two of the best programs in the Big Ten. I mean, Michigan's defending Big Ten champs as much as we hate to admit that. Um, and the potential, the money you know, the fan base, everything. And they, you know, clearly two of the best programs in the Big Ten, Michigan and Penn State. So is that fair to Ohio State? Easy to make the argument. No, that's not fair, but I'm still okay with it um, because I don't think, what are you going to do? Like not have them on the schedule? I mean, you can't like not have Michigan on the schedule. You could make the argument with Penn State, I guess, but I wouldn't be in favor of that. I like that, like kind of that, there's a clear second rival for the Buckeyes. Penn State looks at Ohio State as their number one rival. Penn State looks at the Buckeyes as their number one rival, but um, Buckeyes obviously do not reciprocate that. Um, so those are the questions I wanted to get into. All right, let me um, get into some of your questions here. Okay, so yeah, I got to put my reading glasses on because as you guys can see, I'm very, very, very old. Um, so, um, oh man, we're, we're getting some shade thrown on. Yeah, I know. Oh, I've been to I've been to USC. I know it's in South Central. I know it's in South Central LA. I'm guessing that's not where the mansion is, but I hear what you're saying. We had Gary, uh, for those that are just listening to the podcast version, saying if you ever went to the neighborhoods where USC is located, you wouldn't want to go there. It's in one of the worst neighborhoods in L.A., let alone California. Yeah, uh, yeah, South Central L.A. Yeah, as a, as a kid that grew up listening to 80s rap, um, yeah, um, I'm familiar with that. But I've been to the, I've been to the Coliseum. It's not, it's not bad there. I mean, I know you're close to where it can get kind of sketchy, but um, yeah, we all uh, have another comment here. Uh, oh, and again from Gary, no need to worry about USC. Gary says Lincoln Riley's teams have had great offenses, but the defense needs uh, the defensive side of the ball always needs work. Um, and always sucks. He says, yeah, uh, but he's got a little bit more money to work with now. And, I almost said it's easier to win in the Pac-12. It really isn't. Both both conferences are trash. Pac-12 and the Big 12. Um, all right. Harris wants to know, what's the word on Richard Young? Yeah, I don't think the Buckeyes are going to get five-star running back Richard Young. Um, I know he, he uh, postponed his visit. We'll see if he's – that's a cancellation or if that's actually um, – if that is actually, um, you know, just a postponement. My gut tells me they're not going to land Richard Young. I think they're going to get another running back in the class. They already have Fletcher. Um, I do think they're going to get a second running back, but um, I do not think um, it's going to be Richard Young. I hope I'm wrong, guys. But I think five-star running back Richard Young will not be a Buckeye. I think he kind of wants to be the big fish probably in the class, maybe the only running back, um, and maybe there's some NIL stuff going on. I don't know. You add it all up, just my gut feeling. Um yeah, we have somebody saying he's a silent Bama commit. There's been some talk about that. Tavarius says that uh, 
He's a silent Bama commit. I could buy into that for sure. I want to get into this too. We have a question from Charles coming from Facebook. I did touch on this. I'm sure you missed it though. Charles is saying, how could we add transfers if we're already at 85 scholarships? Charles, because of Marcus Crowley retiring, they're actually one under now. They're at 84. So um, they're at 84 right now. And I think they're going to get down to 83 because they have three scholarship kickers on the roster right now. And when you have depth issues on the offensive line, which I think they need to add an offensive lineman, and you have depth issues at corner, we know I love the six scholarship corners they have. They only have six scholarship corners, which that's unheard of, especially at Ohio State. Six scholarship corners, I've never heard of that. Um, and they've got some guys that are versatile enough that can go over there and fill in. Like if they get like a Jansen Dunn healthy, I mean, Kai Stokes is so rangy. But, I mean, get, they, you know, you don't need three scholarship kickers. Get a, a corner from the portal. Again, not a starter, something that can add depth. Somebody solid, maybe that has a few years of eligibility left that you can sell, can be a starter down the line, will play this year, get them out there on special teams, get them a nice NIL deal, offensive lineman. So that's the answer of how can Ohio State add if they are already at 85. They're not at 85, they're at 84. I think they'll get to 83 and they can add two to the portal. And um, yeah, I agree with Lynn's Breezy OH right here. I when it's at Penn State, <laughs> even if Penn State's not the most talented team, and Penn State's not going to be the most talented team Ohio State plays this year, they'll be good. But because we don't know for sure it's going to be a wideout, I just assume every year it's going to be. If some talk it might not be this year, I'll believe that when I see it. Um, but I completely agree with Lynn's Breezy that when the game's at Penn State, they seem to always play over their head. The wideout, give them credit, it's real. <laughs> environment they get down and it's not always like that at beaver stadium even for night games even when they do wide out for other teams it's always good but when it's ohio state again they look at ohio state as their number one rival for years it was the only big 10 school that they shared a state border with you know i mean now they've got maryland and uh you know rutgers in the league too so that that helps them out but for years i mean and they still look at ohio state as their main rival um but for years it was the only big 10 school that they shared a, a state border with um, and, and, you know, it was one of the two schools that they played every year. They tried to manufacture Penn State, Michigan State rivalry. Good luck with that. The land grant trophy, like you're just going to manufacture a rivalry. You can't manufacture a rivalry. That stuff is organic as they come. So anyway, so there you go. Um, all right. Well, there you go. I'm going to wrap up the show there. I appreciate the comments, the questions, a lot of stuff about the portal. Um, if you guys like the show, like, subscribe. Give us a five-star review. All that stuff really helps. Again, thank you so much for you guys tuning in. I know you guys have a lot of options, and um, appreciate you guys taking time to watch, listen to the show. I like the interactive part with the questions and the comments. I appreciate everybody who's listening to the audio-only version. Hope everyone has a great day. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 